you, I can't <laughs> let you not describe this. Why cabbage? What, what, what's the story there? I mean, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Laura Legal, and Laura is the director of the Bellingham Farmers Market. So, Laura, first off, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Laura, what I'd like to start with is let's let's talk about your background. How did you end up being the the director for the Bellingham Farmers Market, and what's your kind of what was your journey to get to this destination? Let's put it that way. Sure. Yeah. So I've been the director of the Bellingham Farmers Market the last three years. And prior to that, I was working as the market manager with Mercer Island Farmers Market, which is in the Seattle area. So not too far away. And um, I feel like I've been yeah, making my journey northward um, for the last several years uh, before <laughs> landing in Kirkland. I was living in Portland, Oregon. For about four years um but my background has really been in the agricultural sector uh really since i was about 16. um i got my start working with the usda on a hop research project in corvallis oregon and uh, started out yeah in a chemistry laboratory at the university and then made my way um, out more toward the fields and uh yeah driving tractors and um basically collecting samples uh for hop research and that really just showed me my passion and love for farming, agriculture, uh, specifically where our food comes from. Well, I got to, I mean, let me just pause you. So sure. at 16, you were researching hops. Yeah, you, I was on a, You got to yeah. understand that that <laughs> doesn't sound typical to me. So how did you, so, so you, did you grow up in Corvallis? I did, yeah. I grew up in Corvallis okay. and um, even before that, so just outside of Corvallis, Oregon, there's a USDA uh, research center. They called it the germaplasm. And so it it <sighs> contains and they they house essentially probably thousands of different varieties of all sorts of uh, food products from apples and strawberries and raspberries. And um, yeah, I think my mom caught me trying to graft apples at like age 15. And so she said, um, yeah, why don't we, we, our neighbor worked out there. And so it, I landed a volunteer gig probably at maybe age 15. It was before I was driving. And wow. uh, so that kind of just, yeah, opened the doorway into farming and research and, um, yeah, that, that world. All right. So did you go to Oregon State then? I mean, that would seem natural that you might. <laughs> yeah, in that natural progression, I did go to Oregon State for my undergrad. And then okay. um, uh, took about a year or two after graduation off, so to speak. And then I went to Humboldt State University in Northern California for grad school. Okay. All right. So after grad school, is that when we started the, 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 we'll call it the slow migration north, up, you know, <laughs> up to, to where you are? Or? Yeah. I, uh, when I was going to grad school, I, I, um, I was in Arcata, California, but my 
my research uh, project actually had me over in rural Idaho working with potato growers and looking at water management. And I still just, yeah, couldn't let go of the farming. And so even when I was back in Arcata, I was volunteering for a small CSA farm. And so after uh -huh. I graduated um, from HSU, then I stuck around for another year and worked at uh, this really great farm called Redwood Roots Farm in Arcata. And that season ended and I just felt the call to come back home essentially to Oregon. And I'd never lived in Portland uh, before, but felt like the big city was, you know, calling my name. And so, uh, yeah, I worked at Salvi Island Organic Farm um, and then got a position with another little place called Pure Bolt Crop Management. Um, and they did uh, berry consulting work. So working with blueberry growers and raspberry growers um, to, yeah, just help the farmers grow their product even better. And then you moved to the and then I community moved. <laughs> of Mercer Island. Yeah, well, yeah. then I, I, yeah, then I landed in, in Kirkland, Washington and okay. was looking for work and, um, yeah, saw that job come up and that really kind of opened the door into the farmer's market realm, which I'd never been a part of before. Okay. All right. So how long were you at Mercer Island, the farmer's market there? About two and a half years or so. Okay. Yep. And we, you know, now as a former, uh, Puget Sound resident and I moved to central Washington because of, of traffic, that was my, I just got to my tipping point where it's like, there's just too many of us here. I'm going to go where there's less of us. What was your, um, did you have a, a motivating reason to move from, from the Seattle area to, to Bellingham? Did. Yeah. I have, uh, two small children now ages okay. five and three. And uh -huh. my, my, my wife grew up in, um, in Bellingham and her parents are still here. And so we just wanted to be closer to family and, um, you know, get some grandparent time in. And I also felt that call uh, to live in a place that's a bit smaller, you know, closer to, to ag land and um, less traffic. And uh, <laughs> I, I love the access to nature here in Bellingham. I love being so close to the ocean and trails. And um, when I'm not at work, I try to get out on the trail and do some running. So that was definitely okay. a big push. Yeah. To come up more North. Okay. Well, that's, that's an interesting, um, I, I still can't quite get over the, at 15, you were grafting apples and you know, I, mean, <laughs> I was attempting not... to, <laughs> Okay, yeah. I don't All know right. if it worked at age 15 or not, but. Okay. I just, I, that's, that's very different than my teenage experience. So I'm like, huh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's very cool. Well, let's, so now you're at the Bellingham farmer's market and why don't we talk about that a little bit? What's kind of tell us uh, for people that are uh, listening to this that might not be aware of, of Bellingham and all of that. What's, so what's the backstory here for the, for the farmer's market? Yeah. So the farmer's market uh, has been around for 30 years. This year we're celebrating our 30th anniversary and uh, I've been digging into the archives, so to speak. Um, I'm sitting in my office right now and there's just, it's a little bit messier than normal. There's all these boxes and photographs that I've been digging through and uh, it's been super fun. And I've been, I've been in my position, like I said, about three years. Uh, so mm -hmm. just kind of a short snippet of that 30 year history, but digging into these archives and photographs has really given me a better picture of our history. Um, the farmer's market in Bellingham there was a history of 
a market being present in the downtown corridor, even um, in the late 70s and 80s. But it wasn't really until about 1992, 93, that um, a really dedicated group of citizens got together and formed this organization that we have today. And uh, so it's gone through various iterations over that, you know, over that 30 year history. Um, but a big turning point was in about 2006 um, when the market uh, in this sort of public private partnership raised a bunch of money, partnered with the city and state to build a more permanent home for the Bellingham Farmers Market, which is right downtown. And so we know that as Depot Market Square. And mm -hmm. so that really, that has become the home of our Saturday market. And uh, we've got a great out outdoor space and um, even a covered area. And uh, it's arguably one of the best farmers markets, I'd say, in Washington state. Um, we are a weekly market from April almost all the way through December. And then we have a once per month market it, during the winter months of January, February, and March. Okay. So during, the th let's talk 30 years of history. What's some memorable things in the archives that you've, you've dug up over 30 years? Well, one of the things that I've loved coming across is we have a few vendors that have been with us um, almost that, that whole time of 30 years. So I love seeing their faces <laughs> from 30 years ago and, um, you know, they're hugging and smiling and it's been so fun to, to match them up and, um, just the amount of families too, that have, that I see in the, in the photos, it's been this, this hub of community activity and vibrancy over that, that long history, um, which is a common theme that, you know, if I take some pictures today versus, you know, 30 years ago, looking at them, um, just, you know, the fun smiles and community, um, community space that it's, that it's really provided and um, seeing the musicians and buskers, we've had a really robust scene for local artists um, during that time too, which has been great. Any any notable notable uh, musicians? You know, do they get their start at the farmers market up there? Did uh oh what's his name? Why, I, I'm, who's the guy out of Bellingham that I? Sh it's on the tip of my tongue that I should. Uh, <laughs> you know um, I. I, I don't know if I could say personally if I know enough about the music history and um, I don't feel like I've lived here quite long enough um, to speak to that. But, um, you know, one of the things that that I've seen um, are like the magicians and uh -huh. even the non-musicians, uh, which folks who have come back year after year, we had to put a pause um, on some of that the buskers during the COVID pandemic. But we mm -hmm. hope to bring more of that back um, into the actual market space this coming year. Um, but just that interaction, you know, whether it's reading and writing poetry or um, a magician or um, music, uh, just really great place for the community to, to interact um, with all kinds of different art. So as best you can tell when, when you know, we'll go back 30 years, how big was the market 30 years ago when it started this with this current, you know, configuration, if you will. Well, it's definitely been ramping up, I'd say, year after year. That's one thing that's been pretty consistent, um, mm -hmm. whether it's the number of vendors or our sales, um, the number of customers and participants. Um, it seems like it just keeps getting bigger and better um, year after year. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, how, how many vendors were there pre-COVID? 
because I'm going to guess, um, this is just a guess. And based on conversations with other markets in Washington state, I'm curious if you're, you're going to go along with this. Uh, uh, some other markets have shared something to this effect. Number of vendors down, number of visitors down, dollars consistent. Yeah, that has been, I think you did kind of hit it um, on the head. Um, 2020 was a bit rough for us. Um, we definitely okay. were limited by, for example, like the type of vendors um, that we could have, like our flower vendors, you know, couldn't participate early on in the season. Um, so that definitely limited things. Um, but one of the things I've been so proud of um, with our market is through 2020, um, we really attracted the customers that, that wanted to help out, that wanted to not only come, but make purchases. Um, you know, prior to that in 2019, um, we really relied on a lot of tourism, for example. Um, so we'd have tourists okay. come in and I think that we had a lot of people come visit the market and really enjoy that community atmosphere, but maybe not as many people actually making purchases. Um, okay. And so, yeah, in 2021, we definitely saw a rebound um, where we were able to kind of retain those people that had been coming in 2020, um, making their you know weekly grocery shopping um, having them, but also bring back some of that local tourism. Um, and so we saw our sales rise. And so in 2022, um, we'll probably be at about 85, 90% of the number of vendors that we had, um, prior to the pandemic. Um, and we hope to just keep continuing to grow, um, certainly into, you know, later this year and next year. So approximately how many vendors is 85 or 90 percent? What do you what It's do you actually about 85. <laughs> so, oh, <okay. laughs> uh, yeah, about probably consistently okay. like 85 um, on a Saturday in the height of summer. Um, and okay. for comparison, you know, 2019, we had around 105 vendors participating. And is that about the maximum that the space can hold? The max. You know? uh, yeah, about 110. 110. OK. okay. Yeah. So really, I mean, uh, percentage-wise, okay, you're down 15, 20%, but that's still 85 vendors that are showing up, providing product to the public. I think that's that's yeah, still a very good-sized marketplace. It's not like, oh, well, we have three people. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. even in 2021, um, like I said, was total rebound year. Um, it was our highest-grossing market to date. Um, we okay. kept over $2.5 million circulating in our local economy, which I think is something oh. to be proud of. Um, all of those businesses that participated, you know, these are local dollars. Um, mm -hmm. All of our businesses come from Whatcom and Skagit counties. And um, okay. of those sales, we had over a million dollars in local farm and ag sales. So again, wow. something just to be really proud of. So you mentioned Whatcom and Skagit County. So That's is right. that by design that you're keeping the vendors to those counties or is that just, yeah, is that by design? Is that the market's yeah. goal is to only, okay. Yeah, in our bylaws and um, talking about our 30 year history, that was something that was important uh, to the original creators of the market uh, to, I think, provide a platform for local. You know, I think that mm -hmm. arguably that, that term local has been thrown around quite a bit. Um, it sometimes gets watered down, but we truly are a local market. And like I said, all of our businesses have to be residents of Whatcom or Skagit County. Um, you know, that's, that might be something that we revisit 
um, as we move along into the future. Um, and yeah, just reevaluate, um, you know, what we want to do or uh, where we want to open up. Um, you know, the island counties are pretty close and how much is ar arguably, you know, pretty close. So we mm -hmm. might take a look at that in the future. But it's not because of lack of participation. I mean, you've got 85 to 110 vendors in those two counties that are showing up to the market on a regular that's right. basis. That's, am that's amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. As, as the market opens up weekly here in April, so what do you, what, if I were to show up, you know, uh, April 9th, Mm -hmm. what's what what am i gonna what am i gonna be seeing at the market early on in the season what what's up there local and early yeah well we certainly hope to have some tulips um those start you know coming on in april um we love seeing those showy flowers at that beginning of market season lilacs um as we move along later you know we'll see dahlias in terms of food and produce um, we'll start seeing some greens come on, um, maybe some, you know, leftover root veggies uh, from the winter months. Uh, and then certainly our crafters and food processors. You know, those are kind of the three tiers that we have. We have um, farmers, crafters, and food producers. And uh, okay. a lot of our food producers uh, utilize, you know, vegetables and produce from our local growers too. So it's really kind of full circle um, when we look at the market as a whole. Do you have any guidelines for crafters that? Yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody else and I was joking and, and I said, so I can't get my iPhone case cover you know, at the <laughs> farmer's market. And, you know, no, you know, we're not, we're not allowing people to, you know, wholesale things, which is, which is great. Cause that kind yeah. of defeats the whole, to my, to my vision of what a farmer's market's. Yeah. Again, for. every farmer's market has their own rules, but we don't allow resale of any kind. So everything that okay. you find at that individual vendor booth is going to be made or grown or produced by that business. Uh, okay. and, and so that, yeah, might be different at different farmer's market, but, um, sure. you know, you mentioned like the iPhone case cover, <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny how, how things intersect, um, with, you know, what's going on in our culture now. But for example, like I'm thinking of, um, a woodworker and they've actually produced, um, these really like one of a kind iPhone or, you know, phone, uh, <laughs> like stands yeah. that you can put your phone right. on. So, you know, it does intersect kind of the old and the new right. um, with what we have. And, and that's, you know, it's funny you say that because the other person that told me, I guess, unless they, unless it's a woodcrafter that's made an iPhone case and they were selling, there was a vendor at that market that was doing phone cases out of wood. Yeah. And it's like, okay. But the, like you said, like the stand for your phone or things like that. Uh-huh. So then... How do I want to say this? Because every, every, you know, you're further north. I mean, when you think about Bellingham, you're in the United States, you're quite north. We are. You, you know, We're very right. close so, to Canada. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, and I won't teach you about Vancouver South type thing, but anyway, how close, how close, I can't even remember. I should know this, but how, how many miles is Bellingham from Vancouver? Oh, from Vancouver? Oh, I'd have to look that up. I always kind of think of us uh, as like being close to the border. I think we're right. maybe so, like 15 miles or less, yeah, from the border. But from the border, I mean, yeah. So an hour, a little over an hour, you know, to Vancouver yeah. drive. Right. And, and for the longest time, you couldn't, even if you wanted to, you couldn't even go up there because the board, is the border yeah. open at this time? Yeah, okay. So the It is open, yeah, with you have to get the test and whatnot. Right, okay. So as as we progress through the growing season up there, so what what are some of the 
products that are that I would I should expect to see throughout you know as the season progresses there what what is your market I don't want to say known for but you know what what can I count on there I'm not going to probably see a bunch of hatch chilies let's put it that way <laughs> um yeah well uh we are in Washington uh, we do have some chilies that are grown by our producers but Sort of the staples um, that we look forward to every year are, are the tomatoes and heirloom tomatoes. Uh, we're a big raspberry producing um, growing region. All the berries, raspberries, blackberries, um, lots of blueberries. I love seeing, um, yeah, some of the stuff that you wouldn't necessarily find at the grocery store. Every season, um, I love finding what are called ground cherries. Have you ever had those, Scott? Can you tell by the look on my face? I'm looking at you like, what? What? Uh, no, I have not. What are ground cherries? Yeah, they, they, uh, I think that they're related to tomatillos, um, in the tomatillo family, but, um, yeah. they're like one of the most, um, like tropical tasting fruits that you could find in our area. They're almost like a, they're in like a little paper husk and, uh, they're like a yellow, peachy cream color. They look like a tiny tomatillo, but they're just like bursting with this sort of citrus pineapple flavor. And yeah, you can't find them at the local grocery store, but you can find them at the farmer's market. We have a couple growers. Um, that's one of I've my favorites. I've never, even though this is an audio podcast, you know, everyone knows we're running the video so we can see each other. But the look on my face, I'm like, what? I have <laughs> never, never in all my years heard of this. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I have to. And so when are those in season? Those are around August or so, so a little bit more late, okay. late summer. Okay. Um, Which makes sense given the way you've described them. Right. They're, they like yeah. that heat. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, they, they come on um, a little bit later. But um, just a wide variety of fruits and vegetables, you know, sort of the classics too. The greens, the kales, um, you know, all the onions, um, berries, like I mentioned before, um, cucumbers, just, you know, everything pretty much um, okay. in this part. Now, do most of your vendors, are they there the entire season or do you have a lot of people that come in and, you know, part of the year, part of, you know, how does that yeah. market? How does that look? Yeah, it's um, my understanding that, you know, one of the reasons why um, we've been able to open sort of in April is because we have such a robust um, craft uh you know, group of crafters that can that can come that early, um, because typically mm -hmm. we don't really see the bulk of our farmers start coming until about June. You know, we certainly okay. have some, um, but more start coming um, in that June month uh, because you know that's when we see more produce coming on, and then they'll okay. they'll still stay till about through October. Um, mm -hmm. Then some, you know, we might see some of them peeling out. Um, and then again, you know, that craft season kind of kicks up again um, in, right. you know, toward the later part of the year and um, holiday season. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Approximately, well, do you have, do you have any methodology where you track how many people are coming through the market? Yeah, we did definitely, um, certainly in the COVID months, um, COVID years, okay. I should say, the last yeah. two years. The decade, it seems I like. wish yeah. it was months, but no, the last two yeah. years, we were really keeping mm -hmm. track of the number of people because we had to. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, pre-COVID, you know, high of the summer, um, we used to clock it like sometimes um, on some market days, upwards of like 7,000 people in a market day would be coming through oh. um, the okay. last two years, you know, probably more around 5,000 or so. 
um, okay. seems to be like a really solid number. Um, but yeah, when I think about that, the number of people that are coming in is just amazing that come to the downtown corridor for our farmer's market. And then thinking about all the things that they can do um, while they're downtown, you know, I think that that's something, again, that I feel proud of is that we're this hub of activity that kind of gets mm -hmm. to trickle out throughout the rest of Saturday um, in the downtown corridor. Well, since I haven't been to the farmer's market, help me out here. Um, I'm going to randomly call you on a Saturday and say, hey, I want to come up. Why don't you show me around? And you're like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. I'd be happy to, Scott. It's Saturday at the market. I have nothing to do what would you say we need to go see? Like what you know, you're calling it the hub, what else is around it in the, in the downtown core there that we should go and check out? Yeah, well, we're, um, the Depot Market Square is right across the street from Boundary Bay Brewing, um, which has been uh, a long time um, in, that, in that place and location. Um, La Fiamma Pizza is right next door. Um, you know, the co-op is, um, you know, only probably a block and a half away if you need to pick up, you know, some of your other items um, that we can't provide, um, mm -hmm. you know, banks, um, ton of other eateries and, and shopping uh, places um, around downtown. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm, I'm going to, you know, if I show up on a Saturday, I'm going to go, where can I get coffee? So uh, where, where would we go for coffee? Well, I'd, I'd bring you to the farmer's market, of course. Okay, um, so do you have vendors at the market that are serving coffee? Yeah, we do. Um, Bellingham okay. Coffee Roasters. Uh, they are a producer of like whole bean and ground coffee, but typically they also sell drip coffee at the market. Um, okay. One of the... Um, one of the businesses that I'm super excited about, um, they haven't been offering drip yet, um, but they're um, Coast Salish Coffee Company. Company. Um, they mm -hmm. are from um, the Lummi Island, and um, they have uh, a great decaf and um, you know full caffeine <laughs> varieties. Um, and then uh, yeah, Festival Espresso. Uh, and then uh, we've got like one new business. Um, I can't remember their name right now um, as I'm on the spot. But uh, we really hope to bring back like a robust coffee scene. <laughs> that was okay. something that our customers yeah, were telling us was kind of missing during the COVID years. And so we hope to bring more prepared food back to day of right. market. Well, you just weren't able site. to. I mean, the guidelines yeah. didn't allow allow for that. And so, yeah. um, so you, at full capacity, in theory, you would you would allow for, for I mean, as I think you should, uh, for or more for me, coffee. Um, you're going to let four coffee vendors be there? Yeah, um, we are. Time? Yeah, I always think a little bit of competition is good. You're my type good. of market. <laughs> you know. I think a little bit of competition is good. And, um, you know, we always try to make a balance, right? Like each business is, even though they're all selling coffee, for example, you know, they're, they've got different backgrounds, different stories, um, and a little bit different coffee. And I think that right. um, it's always a balance providing, you know, customers, um, you know, some options. Well, and I joke, but you know, like the decaf place wouldn't be where I'd go, but, you know. but at the same time, I can also understand that there are people that would go, would appreciate the fact that they could get decaf. Sure. Um, you just won't make fun of them. Well, I will, but, hey, um, I'm a decaf drinker too sometimes. So, you know, uh, I, see, I, I, I like the half and half, half decaf, half regular. I have nothing against the idea of decaf at all. I have just not found one at this point in my life that I appreciate the taste. Yeah. Just have it. Yeah. I'm going to you know, plug Coast Salish Coffee Company. Go check it out. Okay. 
right, I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, so we have, we have the Saturday market. What, what, what are the hours for the Saturday market typically? 10 to 2, you know, that's something to mention. Um, they used to be 10 to 3 pre-pandemic. Okay. Um, we shaved off an hour for a variety of reasons, but um, it seems like the vendors and uh, our staff and even customers, you know, we've most of us have been enjoying that 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, so that's okay. what we're going to stick with in 2022. We might reevaluate it later, but um, yeah, 10 to 2. Well, let me ask you this. How many, how many people does it take to put on the Saturday market? Yeah, um, so it's myself. I always kind of like to imagine myself as a little bit more in the background, um, mm -hmm. kind of running the show during the week. And then uh -huh. our market staff steps up um, and they're sort of boots on the ground. Um, I have an awesome operations manager. Her name's Morgan. She's there every Saturday from start to finish. And then we hire two market assistants that just work day of. Um, so in total, um, there's four of us. Um, I'm full-time and then the rest are part-time. Mm -hmm. So on the day, on Saturday, you're not just rolling up at 9.55 a.m. <laughs> Definitely not. At, at, at 2.05. <laughs> so what's a, what's a typical Saturday look like for your team? Yeah, I love this. I love describing this because, um, you know, sometimes I think that the public just thinks that the farmer's market just sort of like happens, you know, on its own. Pops, um, but pops up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, just pops up. You know, everything just uh, happens with a little bit of sprinkle of magic. But um, yeah, truly, it does take a lot of hard work and, and stuff going on in the background to put on a really good um, event every single week. And so um, the staff typically shows up around 6.30 a.m. Um, you know, they're putting out uh, all the signs, uh, making sure that, you know, the, all the simple stuff like, um, but it really adds up, you know, bathrooms are open, the pavilions opened up, unlocking everything. Um, and then 7 a.m. is when cars and vendors start rolling onto the site. Okay. So the vendors can take a couple hours to get set up. Yeah. They've got not, a couple hours. Not too bad. And then how long does it take to tear it down on the back end? Yeah, we um, crank it up a notch a little bit and uh, everything's pretty much uh, gone in an hour and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All and right. so um, the space that we, we actually rent it from the city of Bellingham, They're, they've been a wonderful partner of ours um, over our 30 year history. And so mm -hmm. the space that we rent, Depot Market Square, um, the city can rent that out to all sorts of other, you know, events and individuals pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, they had a lot of weddings. So, you know, we'd have to make sure to get everyone from the farmer's market, you know, off the site in case there are other events that happen um, right after We're not going to sell ground cherries at the, at, the, at the wedding reception. <laughs> okay. Got it. How's the Wednesday market? And when does, when, yeah, let's talk about, let's, you know, shift gears sure. to, to the middle of the, middle of the week. Yeah. When did the Wednesday market start? So the Wednesday market starts in June. Um, we're this year we're going to go through mid September. It's typically been June through September. We had a long okay. history of running that Wednesday market at a location in Bellingham um, called Fairhaven, the Fairhaven neighborhood. <laughs> um, but due to changing customer spending habits and uh, limited parking, that that site it was called the Fairhaven um, Village Green just got a little bit too small for that Wednesday market. And so um, we took a pause due to the pandemic in 2020. But last year we brought the Wednesday market 
to um, the port of Bellingham property, which is very close to downtown, um, right near the waterfront. Super exciting location for us. Um, it's close to the bicycle pump track downtown and uh, the granary building. And Colshin uh, Brewing has a, a beer garden, they call it, right down there that's open up um, in the summer months. So the space is um, kind of raw, but really exciting that we get to be in on it um, at sort of the foundational level. Okay. And and so what what hours is the Wednesday market? Are you doing that kind of after work hours or, I mean? Yeah, so we're, we're running it from four to seven. So it's okay. a bit different than the Saturday market. You know, we hope that, um, you know, families can come, um, they can grab a bite to eat, grab dinner, you know, maybe they brought the family to do some biking or, you know, grab a beer at Colshin, and then afterward they can come to the farmer's market and stock up um, for their, you know, veggies um, for that midweek purchase. Um, and so, yeah, this year we really hope to bring back um, a strong prepared food um, vendor scene. Um, so we're going to be offering um, like hand pies and we've got uh, a new food truck coming called hungry street they're offering it's like venezuelan and american cuisine um so yeah okay. we definitely took that to heart and are hoping to bring back uh, more prepared food okay i'm on your website sure so I'm, I'm looking at some things and i was going to ask you about something and then i saw that it said suspended until further notice but i'm just can we can we talk about some projects yeah some Programs? different events and things sure yeah so i want to know more about what kids vending day was and hopefully will be again. I mean, so I, I'm guessing that it's suspended because of. Yeah, COVID. we had to suspend it due to COVID um, just in terms of, you know, we wanted to keep everyone safe. And so we were really focusing on sure. the essentials, uh, people sort of getting in and getting out. Um, Kids Vending Day used to be an event where we would invite the public, um, kids, you know, as you can imagine, to have like a little table and then offer their wares that they had prepared themselves. You know, mostly things like um, arts and crafts. And um, yeah, that, that program is currently under evaluation. Um, we're not sure, you know, what we're going to be doing next, but we know that we want to offer something robust for the kids and the family. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of looking like maybe um, that sort of event might shift um, to the Wednesday market. The Wednesday market offers more physical space um, where we could put on something like that, you know, in the summer months. Um, kids most kids aren't you know in school um so that could be a fun activity for them there so um stay right. tuned on that you know make sure stay to tuned. go to the website and um as we progress with that idea and i think that's kind of a, a great idea to help well i don't know about you because at 15 you were grafting apples i don't i don't know <laughs> if you were on, on entrepreneurial as a young kid but as a young kid i mowed lawns and seemingly did whatever i could to make money and had had there been a well not that i'm crafty that's that's probably the sad thing because my art doesn't even make it onto my mom's refrigerator um but you know the idea of helping youth be exposed to this opportunity to you know sell their things and s interact with people i think is a really cool idea personally. definitely yeah help them understand you know what it takes um to understand the value of money and, mm -hmm. um, you know, be able to earn it, 
um, interact with the public, just like you mentioned. So there's a lot of great skills that can come from even running, you right. know, a tiny, tiny business, micro business at right. that scale. Right. Uh, the other day I was driving uh, here in town and, and they, uh, my neighbor, like, you know, they're a mile from my house. So it's not like they're my next door neighbor type thing. But uh, as I drive past there, the kids opened a cafe in the driveway and uh-huh. they were selling and they were like, they called it a cafe. And I'm like, well, it's not a lemonade stand, but it was like, they had tables and chairs in the driveway. And I drove when I, when I was coming back and it was full. It was like, there's like 15 people sitting around. I'm like, that's kind of cool. It was happening. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's like, so yeah. important to introduce, I think, kids too, in terms of that food access. Um, you know, being able to yeah. see and meet, okay, n- an apple doesn't just appear at the grocery store, right? But someone actually grows it. And it's not just a someone, but lots of people um, are needed in order to make that happen. And not only, um, not only that, but um, it tastes so good. You know, I think about even vegetables taste sweeter from the farmer's market. That was an experience right. that right. I had, you know, when I was a kid. Um, you know, tasting a cabbage that was sweet and it was um, surprising. And and that's something that just kind of kept me coming back um, to the vegetable world. Well, and that's, and see, that's one of the things that, you know, getting to know where your food comes from versus, you know, the, the plastic wrapped sliced apple that might be in your lunch bag, mom and dad, you know, I, you know, I'm saying kids think that they're, you know, they don't understand careful how I say things, but, you know, (laughs) knowing, you know, like you said, knowing that apple was on the tree three days ago, let's say, and it was brought to the market. It's as fresh as you're going to find short of being out in the orchard yourself. And there's so many varieties, you know, not only is there an orange carrot, but a purple carrot and a purple cauliflower. Like these are things that I find super exciting. And um, I think that when kids get to see that, you know, firsthand that vegetables can become exciting too. Right. Right. Well, one of the questions I'd like to, to like, well, the other thing is, do you, are you guys still offering booths for nonprofits to come and be able to, yeah. Uh, talk about what they're doing. Is we are. Yeah. Back and that's community. something that we hope to, to bring back more robustly. We're going to be partnering with our local master gardeners chapter um, okay. for like a, at least a six week period. And for those who are unfamiliar with master gardeners, they're a group of volunteers. Um, they volunteer throughout the community and then teach other people um, about what's happening in the garden um, during that particular time. So, for example, there's going to be a booth at the farmer's market where the master gardeners are going to be located. And, you know, you're welcome to um, if you see anything happening in your own garden at home and it looks kind of funny or you see a plant wilting, you know, snip it um, and bring it on down. And uh, the master gardeners can help you troubleshoot and learn about your garden space. That's that's a cool, a cool feature. One of the things we talked about before we, we hit record was food access. We wanted to bring that up and how the farmer's market is able to help with that. Yeah. Let, I'll let you elaborate. Sure. Yeah. I was thinking about that when we we're um, talking about kids um, because um, we also accept pandemic EBT cards. Um, there were many school children who um, received pandemic, what are called pandemic EBT cards. And, um, the farmer's market is a place where we can accept that. Um, but backing up and kind of like getting a bigger vision of, you know, what, what is food access? Um, we really pride ourselves um, as the farmer's market. We accept um, what used to be called food stamps um, that mm-hmm. 
that um, program has been relabeled as SNAP or the Supplemental Nutrition um, Supplemental Nutrition Access Program or something um, similar um, to that. And essentially, you get you know a card um, that uh, loads up your benefits every month. And um, you can use that at the farmer's market to purchase um, anything that you would at the grocery store. So things like um, milk, eggs, cheese, produce, all those good staples. And then in addition to that, we run a program called SNAP Market Match, which is a partnership program with the Washington State Department of Health. And so the really great thing um, is that we can double your EBT dollars um, up to 40 bucks. Um, and that, mm -hmm. that money can be used on fresh uh, fruits and vegetables. So for example, if you want to take off $20 on your EBT card, we'll give you another 20. And so that gives you a $40 purchasing power to use at the farmer's market. For clarity, the vendors aren't taking the EBT card. A person with an EBT card or SNAP card goes to a booth that you, the market is running, correct? Yeah. Great question, Scott. And you, and you, and you run, you run the card, if you will, and take $20 off the balance of the card and you, you give them a, a token good a tokens like market tokens with yeah, their physical tokens. So um, anyone that okay. has an EBT card, exactly. They come to the Bellingham farmer's market information booth. Um, they swipe their card just like they would at the grocery store. But yes, instead we would give them um, their wood tokens that can then get spent at the each individual vendor booth. Um, in addition okay. to that, um, our market does accept what are called WIC, um, FMNP, Farmers Market Nutrition Program. That's a Washington State program. Um, WIC and senior checks. Sometimes people get mailed individually checks in $4 increments, and those get spent mm -hmm. directly with each um, of the vendor booths. From a from I th first off, I think this is awesome that you guys you guys are doing this. I love the fact that there's a, a match, essentially doubling their, their that's right their dollars. That's for someone in financial challenges. Doubling the ability to buy food is is, is wonderful. Oh yeah, definitely. And our food's super fresh. You know, it's being picked a couple days beforehand, so you know the mm -hmm. food that right. um, is bought at the Bellingham Farmer's Market, you know, that has the potential to even last longer, let's say, in someone's um, refrigerator, you know, than something mm -hmm. maybe that they got um, at a larger box store. So in terms okay. of, yeah, matching their dollars and keeping that food um, extended for a long period of time, it's great. So a question I have is, is not, this is, this is just my question and nobody else listening to this may be interested, but I'm curious. So person go, comes and they, take $40 off their card balance, right? And you, you essentially give them $80. So they have $80 to spend at the That's market right. that day. So they go and they spend the $80 and sake of easy math, they spend it in two vendors, 40 bucks each vendor. How do the vendors then, because you just, they just took wooden tokens. So yeah. you know, I, I, <laughs> I like to call don't it take funny money. <laughs> yeah, funny money. So they just, so the small vendor just received wood tokens. Yeah. Do they settle? Do you settle up with the vendor at the end of the market? We do, yeah. Is so that how that works? Okay. Yeah, so that's a lot of um, kind of like that back end work that I was talking about. That's a yeah. big part of my job is, um, you know, being a part of the counting process. So um, at mm -hmm. the end of every market, um, they put all of those tokens and their vendor fee inside of a plastic envelope, and then that comes back to the office. 
Um, we, mm -hmm. you know, tally it all up, make sure the numbers are correct. And then I do a, um, an ACH, um, you know, transfer to them. I essentially reimburse the vendors for right. any number of tokens or EBT dollars that they've gotten market match dollars. That's great. So, A, you're, you're, it, it works on a couple of levels, really, when you think about it. You're, you're able to give uh, fresh fresh food to, well, not give, but uh, they're able to purchase fresh food and, in some cases, doubling the amount that they could purchase, which helps boost sales for the small vendor. Absolutely. Definitely. That's so why I love the program. It's it's everybody, a win -win. everybody wins here. Yeah, everybody. Wins. It is really a big win-win. Um, and yeah, the market match dollars, the EBT dollars, um, all that stuff is just, we're just helping everyone out with that program. Mm -hmm. No, um, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, do you see anything, you know, in the future? Is there, a, is there, do these programs look like they'll continue moving forward in the future? Or, I mean, I'm, I, yeah. I, I see the crystal ball right there on your desk. I mean, I can see your crystal ball. So <laughs> forecast for me. Yeah. But what's, what are you seeing as a, as a market manager there? What's this, is the state looking at these things? Yeah, we've been told that the, the market match program, um, we definitely hope to, to continue that um, and bring some stability to that program. It seems like that's definitely the direction we're headed um, with Department right. of Health at Washington. Um, and then in terms of kind of on the horizon, um, the big question is, um, you know, whether to essentially load um, like that WIC and senior FMNP. Um, right now, like I said, that program is on paper checks, for example, um, whether mm -hmm. to put those benefits onto some sort of card. And so there's, you know, there's talk about whether or not um, these transactions, um, instead of really happening at the information booth, a lot of them, whether to move those transactions um, at each individual vendor on an electronic um, basis. Um, so, oh. you know, the powers that be are, are talking about that, um, that, you know, it may have limitations, you know, particularly like with seniors who may not have access um, you know, whether they have a smartphone, there's just a lot of questions about what those programs will look like. Um, but right now they will continue as they have been. Um, things will happen in terms of snap and market match at the information booth. And then the checks okay. um, with the FMNP program um, will go directly and be spent at each individual vendor. Okay. I'm scrolling here in, I, I didn't scroll before. I'm looking at the photographs of the early years and the later years. Oh, I know what we need to talk about. What are you doing to celebrate the 30 years? What's yeah. coming up here at the first? Yeah. We, you know. Well, we're super excited. Because I see a picture. That, yeah. I saw a picture. <laughs> we are going to be bringing back the annual cabbage toss. Um, I don't know how long it's been happening or going on, but as far as I know, it's been happening for a long time, um, probably since uh, the Depot Market <laughs> Square was built. Um, but yeah, we're going to be bringing uh, Mayor Seth Fleetwood of the city of Bellingham. He'll be coming down on April 2nd. Um, typically, we um, just like to kick it off with the mayor um, and mm -hmm. uh, a couple of our other vendors from Bellingham Farmers Market talk about kind of where we've come in terms of this 30 year history and then where we want to go in the future um, and what that looks like. And um, I think for us, what it looks like is building more partnerships um, between food processors and farmers, um, bringing okay. in more BIPOC um, farmers and vendors, and 
strategically looking about, yeah, where we want to go um, toward the future. So 9.45 a.m., April 2nd, come meet by the goat statue for everyone that's local. You know where that's at, um, just outside the pavilion. And then, yeah, we're going to kick it off um, with that famous cabbage toss at 10 a.m. Okay, so you, you've, you, okay. You, I can't <laughs> let you not describe this. Why cabbage? What, what, what's the story there? I mean. You know, to be honest, I'm not sure. Well, um, let's make I, one up then. Let's come up with something fun. I mean, you know, I, yeah. it's, I, I think it's uh, perhaps, you know, like if you imagine a baseball game, um, you know, mm -hmm. there's like that person that comes out. Um, they toss that first baseball. It kicks off the season or it kicks off that game. Right. Um, I think it may be something along the lines of that. I don't know what it will look but, like in, in the future years. But, um, yeah, this is what we're doing in 2022. <laughs> cabbage. Okay. Hmm. Just that's that's the part. Like, huh. It looks okay. like a ball. It's round. It's small. You can throw it. <laughs> that's 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 all true. Uh, all right. I'll give you that. All right. <laughs> as I'm scrolling here. So what, well, you kind of, okay. What's, what's your, you know, when I say your vision, I understand that you, you're not the only vision here, but what's, what do you anticipate the next two to five years to look like for the Bellingham farmers market? What would you like to see things move towards? Yeah, I think in the next, um, two to five, you know, we're working on a strategic plan. Um, so I will make mention that, um, you know, it's myself who works here, but I also work closely with a board of directors. Um, that board of directors is comprised of Bellingham Farmers Market vendors and community members. Um, we work closely and meet monthly, um, if not more, to create and craft a vision. Uh, I think that we want to bring in more farmers, you know, at, at the heart of our market really is um, we're supporting local sustainable agriculture and producers and producers that support agriculture um, and farming practices. We've had a history of retaining vendors for a really long time. And as some of those vendors begin to phase out, right, we need to fill the gap. Um, so I'm always on the hunt for new and beginning farmers that want to get um yeah a foot and create get a foot in this business um and so yeah i hope to bring in more new and and beginning farmers okay sorry this is this is where we you know <laughs> bouncing around i i'm i'm back on your food access page sure and i just i'm gonna read some numbers off of the page so since they're published there i, I can read them okay so in 2020 the total amount of food bought at the Bellingham Farmers Market in 2020 with SNAP and other food incentive programs was $85,000. That's a lot of money. And last year in 2021, was... it was over $150,000. So wow. we, we okay. have seen a huge increase. Um, we all know that people were hit hard um, with the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we've been working um, to spread the word about these wonderful programs. And we really hope yeah. to continue growing those programs and getting the word out um, in terms of people being able to spend their dollars at the, at the farmer's market. And I will make mention too, that it's not only the Saturday market, but we will get a lot of questions about whether customers can utilize those EBT and market magic resources at the Wednesday market. And that's a resounding yes. yes. So we definitely encourage okay. people um, to shop at both markets. All right. And then the last, so these were bullet points. And so I'm not going to break down, but, 
But well, actually, I will. EBT was thirty-seven. Matching incentives was thirty-three thousand. WIC checks three thousand. Senior checks twelve thousand. But the the next line item is that the Bellingham Farmers Market vendors donated fourteen thousand pounds of fresh produce to hunger relief agencies in twenty twenty. Yeah, we have That's, a yeah we have a great relationship with the Bellingham Food Bank, um, and I was going to mention that um, earlier. Uh, and in terms of usually they come between June and October. And then any um, food um, that farmers want to donate um, at the end of the day, so things that don't get sold, can go directly mm-hmm. to the Bellingham Food Bank, and then that goes right back, um, you know, to folks that that need access to local healthy produce. So it's been a wonderful that's, program. That's, in um, yeah, that's that's great. In 2020, we were able to pay our vendors um, for that produce. We had a special. Um, grant in conjunction with the Bellingham Food Bank, um, and we hope to continue searching for for more funding opportunities in order to pay our producers um, for that those donations. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. What else didn't we cover about the farmers market? Hmm. Well, I was thinking about just in terms of. Um, you know, like I said before, I think the Bellingham farmers market is probably one of the best in the state. Um, but there are so many other wonderful farmers markets throughout um, Washington state. And I know that your listeners are probably located all over the place. Um, if they they're are. looking for <laughs> their own local farmers market or a farmers market um, close to them, they can go to the Washington state farmers market association webpage. Um, it's our sort of uh larger organization that helps all the farmers markets out there um, within the state. And I would encourage folks to go there. Okay. And we'll put links to both your, your market and, and that in the show notes so that they can easily click on it. Well, when you're not having a leisurely Saturday or a leisurely Wednesday, <laughs> what do you, uh, what do you, what do you and the family like to do in Bellingham? What's, what's, what's a, give me, give me a couple of, yeah, give me a couple of suggestions of things to do in Bellingham. Okay. Um, yeah, I love getting out there with, uh, with my family. Like I said before, it's one of the primary reasons why we moved up here, uh, just in terms of the accessibility to nature. Um, we love going to Lake Patton and uh, Bloedel Donovan Park in the summertime to go swimming. Um, we were talking about coffee before. Um, there's a Woods Coffee Shop um, down at um, Boulevard Park. So beautiful, right by the ocean. A great place to take the family for a walk. And yeah, we just like to get out there and um, all kinds of different parks um, in the area. One in my neighborhood is called um, Laurel Park. And uh, we can walk there, so it's one of our favorites. And Harriet okay. Spinell. And um, yeah, I, I think, you know, like I said, I've been here about three years, so I'm still getting to know Bellingham and the area. Um, but there's mm-hmm. so many things to do um, outside. And um, whether it's the winter months um, up at Mount Baker and go skiing um, or hitting the trail um, on the inner urban um, along Chuckanut Drive, um, definitely recommend it. Recommend it. <laughs> Have you been to the Spark uh, Electrical Museum? I haven't been there yet. Um, we used to go to what's called the FIG, um, which is an interactive uh, place with the kiddos. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. since the pandemic, we haven't been back yet. Um, but we recently went to the the public library and got some books out. So yeah, we're getting out there more and more. 
I don't mean to laugh. But <laughs> the fact that the public library has now become an adventure in the sense, it's just this whole, the last two years, you know, that my mom, I was talking to my mom uh, Sunday, uh, so a few days ago, mm-hmm. and she goes, I'm going to the library. It'll be my first time since the snow. And I was just, I was just kind of chuckling because I grew up going to library all the time. So, I mean, I, I'm an avid reader, so I love libraries. But the fact that the library is now becoming a noticeable destination in our lives just oh, means definitely. the world has changed. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, oh, yeah, my own world would have gotten kind of small. And so looking forward to sort of getting out there, um, it, yeah, growing and widening. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll make mention, too, that, um, yeah, for those folks that have been to the farmer's market with us the last two years, um with all of the changes with with mask wearing and, and things like that um yeah we're moving toward a recommendation with masks instead of a requirement um like okay. i said before we're going to be bringing back um a bunch of prepared food and so um people can eat on site and so it, it's really like a step process um as we move forward into 2022 um we're hopefully going to be bringing back some of the things that we used to have um like in 2019 um, mm-hmm. And we'll just continue evaluating our COVID-19 protocols um, as we move along. Right. Dogs, dogs yes. Dogs, no. No dogs um, at Saturday market. Okay. Well-behaved dogs on leashes um, we're trying at the Wednesday market. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> dogs are great. Dogs are great, yeah. but they can, yeah, they can be. Yeah, our Saturday right, market. Well, we just have a little bit less space, um, so that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. it's a little bit more, um, a little bit more crowded. So, okay, I'll give you the last word. What what should? Well, let me let me. I'll just cheat and use my my get out of jail free card. What didn't I ask you that I should have? I mean, there you go. <laughs> I think we, yeah, we. I think we covered it all. Um, I would just encourage folks, um, new and seasoned customers, to come check us out. Like I said, we're we're going to our weekly schedule in April, and um, okay. you know, as Canada even opens up, maybe we'll see more Canadians. We used to see a bunch um, pre COVID. So yeah, just mm-hmm. come on down and check us out and um, your support, you know, our customers support makes a huge difference. It's because of the customers and vendors um, that we've been able to stay open, that we've been around for 30 years. And so I just want to say thank you um, in particular to the customers for, for helping us um, and supporting us the last 30 years. Okay. Well, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I appreciate it. And I am looking forward to the summer getting out to Bellingham for lots of reasons. I've got a, um, I'm a huge baseball fan, so I'm going to come up and see the, the Bellingham bells play. Um, and so that'll be fun. And I'll probably try to time this on a, on a Saturday so I can hit the market before I go to the ball game. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, Scott. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.